a trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership, and the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join us today and revel in wrong think, because that's what we're all about. By the way, if you haven't visited my website yet, thebrianhydeshow.com, you have a prime opportunity to become a wrong thinker. And I hope it's an opportunity that you'll seize. Uh, you know, the, you can look, you can donate to the show if you want to. There, there, we actually have set up a Patreon account where if you want to become a regular sponsor of the show, you can do that. I mean, for as little as a buck a month, you could do five bucks a month, ten bucks, whatever works for you. But we'll give you access to exclusive content, including insider videos. That sounds kind of, that sounds vaguely, uh, I don't know, clandestine doesn't it? Also, uh, a couple of uh, ebooks that I think will add greatly to your understanding of what is at stake and what you and I can be doing about it. Again, go to thebrianhydeshow.com, click on Join the Wrong Thinkers, and then follow your conscience. I, I trust you'll, you'll make the best decision for yourself. So our show is brought to you in part today by firesteel.com, as well as the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. I find myself spending a great deal of time talking about lockdowns and pushback and essentially standing up for our rights in the face of a, a response to a pandemic that seems calculated to do more than just protect our health. Now, maybe I'm wrong in this. There's always that possibility. But it, it just seems that what we're being told to do has less to do with our uh, our well-being and more to do with someone's desire to to gain power. So in the course of today's show, we're going to be talking about some of the unintended consequences that have come from the COVID lockdowns. I have a great essay from Veronique Derugi, who is uh, just, I think she makes a brilliant case for why we should question that whole thing we've been trained to see since we were like five years old, that government is the answer, or at least government intervention is the answer to life's problems. She makes a very strong case that intervention, crisis or not, is almost never justified. And by the way, to back this up, there's a terrific essay from Ethan Yang from the American Institute for Economic Research that seems to show that the evidence is on the side of those who say it's it, we should be skeptical about the, the official lockdown narrative. He takes a closer look at the states that stayed open. My home state of Utah was one of them. And between the, the evidence that he shows, the charts and the graphs, I mean, yeah, there's lies, damned lies and statistics, but it seems to make a fairly strong case that these states are certainly no worse off and in many ways are far better off than the states that took a very aggressive and, and severe lockdown approach. Coming up in the second hour of today's show, commentator Christian Watson will be joining me to share his thoughts on the political conventions and other current events. This is a guy who has a unique and very highly principled take on things. And I, I'm excited. If you haven't met him yet on my show, he's been a guest before, but I, I'm, I'm anxious for you to hear this conversation. And if you haven't subscribed to his Pensive Politics podcast, you should probably do it today. I'll have a link in the show notes you can follow to subscribe. You will not be disappointed. Oh, and one more thing. 
just because there there's a lot of darkness and negativity that is just swirling around us. It doesn't seem like it's gathering. I mean, you look at uh, the, the, the riot videos coming out of uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin now. And, and, of course, this is happening in a lot of other cities across the nation, too. The uh, confrontation mobs, the, the struggle sessions they're imposing on people, just sitting there minding their own business. It's crazy. And it's ugly. And I have to admit, um, I, if I watch those videos, if I watch too many of them, it brings an ugliness up inside of me that I really don't want to indulge. So I'm going to share something with you uh, from John Pavlovitz that is, it's one of the most beautiful things I've read. It just popped up on my Facebook memories today. I forgot I had shared this maybe four or five years ago. And it's things someone who loves you should have told you. So amidst our, you know, unflinching look at reality the way it is, I'm also going to share with you something that I hope will give you some much-needed peace and perspective. In fact, we may do that in this hour just because I think you're going to need it. All right, let's dive in. Let's talk about four life-threatening unintended consequences of the lockdowns. This is from Brad Palumbo. This was published on the Foundation for Economic Education's website. And I, I love the, the tagline here, no matter how smart or well-intentioned central planners are, they can't possibly understand all the implications of the choices they're making. And I would add to that just this slight little tweak. They can't know enough about you and your priorities and your principles to make those kind of decisions for you. Now, the funny thing is, there are people out there who have this attitude of, well, but I want somebody to do that. I want somebody to make the tough decisions. I'm not an expert. I want to defer. And what they want to do is they want to duck any tough decisions. They want to duck responsibility. And I get it. I've been there myself. There's times where it, it, it sucks taking responsibility because there's the possibility that you might fail. But the difference between a slave and a free person is the willingness to take that responsibility, including the possibility of failure, and to run with it. And it's not a, it's not a shame if you make a mistake. If you, if you have a few trial runs or false starts and you don't get it right the first time, that's okay. You know what's not okay? Handing over your autonomy and your self-determination to some power-seeking opportunist who is determined, I know what's best. And I can do it better than you can. So here's some evidence to back that up. Brad Palumbo says, When policymakers across the country decided to lock down in response to the March outbreak of the novel coronavirus, they took a leap into the unknown. Not only did we know little about COVID-19 itself at that time, but he says we also knew almost nothing about how shutting down nearly all of society would affect people. Policymakers focused their models predicting how lockdowns could help limit the spread of COVID-19, an important factor, to be sure. So, too, many acknowledge the negative economic ramifications of lockdowns, but he says in the months since, we've seen many other dire consequences stem from the unprecedented shutdown of society. Future public health policy should take these four life-threatening unintended consequences of COVID-19 lockdowns into account. And these are you've heard you've heard me as well as my guests and others talk about this. Number one, massive spikes in suicide rates and mental health crises. He says even the most fortunate among us felt the emotional drain strain rather from months behind closed doors, being cut off from friends, family, 
many of the other things that give life meaning, has proved too much for many of those who are already struggling. As Fee.org Managing Editor John Miltimore has detailed, the Centers for Disease Control found that one in four young people have had suicidal thoughts during the pandemic to date. For comparison, less than 6% of young people harbored similar thoughts between 2008-2009, according to older CDC data. And more than 40% of respondents said the crisis had prompted mental health or behavioral problems. Anecdotal evidence also suggests suicidality increased during lockdown. Given that young people without preconditions are almost at zero risk of death from COVID-19 and the well-documented deleterious effects of social isolation, Brad Palumbo says it's fair, it's fair to largely attribute this disturbing trend in mental health to lockdowns. Secondly, there was an uptick in drug overdoses and substance abuse. Now, naturally, social isolation and despair are key triggers for substance abuse relapse. So it's no surprise to see the emotional and mental consequences of COVID-19 lockdowns have exacerbated an already severe drug crisis in the U.S. In fact, he says this has played out in his backyard in the Washington, D.C. metro area. The Washington Post reports in April, the most recent month for which statistics are available. The city of Washington, D.C. saw its largest number, largest monthly number of opioid overdoses in five years. This is part of a national trend of overdose increases that health experts say has accelerated in recent months. Meanwhile, Maryland saw more than double the opioid, opioid overdose fatalities in the first quarter of this year compared to the previous year. And in Virginia... State officials estimate they will record almost 1,700 such fatalities by year's end. That's the highest annual toll since at least 2007. Now, this is a countrywide trend. This isn't just big cities. NPR reports overdoses nationally have spiked by about 18%. By comparison, in 2018, more than 67,300 Americans died from drug overdoses. An 18% increase undoubtedly means thousands of additional tragic overdose deaths. So those are two of the life-threatening unintended consequences that uh, Brad Palumbo addresses. We've got more that we will cover coming up here in just a few moments. The question is, are you willing to question this narrative? Are you willing to step aside and suspend disbelief even for a few moments? I really hope you are. We'll be back just the other side of these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, once again, we are back. By the way, I want to thank my listeners who have uh, have acted on my invitation to trot on over to firesteel.com to check out their website, check out their fire starters. And, uh, and some of them have made the decision, yeah, this is definitely something that should be in my emergency preparedness kit. And I'm grateful for those who have, have taken the time to look at it. Look, you don't have to be a hardcore prepper. As in, you know, I have primitive survival skills. But if you took a look at their magnesium fire starters, their ferrule rods, their flint and steel sets that will, will help you spark a fire under almost any conditions... 
rather than having to carry around thousands of matches or hundreds of lighters to last you, you can you can have a very portable tool that reliably gives you a spark when you most need it. That is in a disaster or survival situation where you absolutely positively need to get a fire started. Now, I find some other uses, too. I've told you I've got a propane stove that once in a while is a little bit scary. I don't like to get too close. I've singed my knuckle hair a few times, and I find I can throw a very decent spark and light this thing from several feet away without fear of singeing my precious knuckle hair. But get the story for yourself. Go to firesteel.com. Check out their website if you make the decision to purchase one of their fine fire-starting tools. Put my name in when you go to check out. That's the coupon code, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, and they will save you 10% on your total purchase. Plus, they'll know that uh, this advertising message reached your ears via this little program. So I'm sharing an article from Brad Palumbo. This was published on the Foundation for Economic Education's website for life-threatening unintended consequences of the lockdowns. We talked about the first two in the first segment, an uptick in drug overdoses and substance abuse, as well as massive spikes in suicide rates and mental health crises. Here's one that I don't think many of us want to think about because, uh, you know, no matter how together you think you have it, this is one that uh, could affect you in ways that you don't want to think about. And that is economic devastation leads to hunger. I don't like to be hungry. In fact, uh, I get a little bit hangry. When I'm hungry. Well, the U.S. Census Bureau recently surveyed Americans on how the COVID-19 crisis has affected their ability to feed their families, and the results are chilling. The number of Americans who say they can't afford enough food for themselves or their children is growing. As of late last month, about 12.1% of adults lived in households that didn't have enough to eat at some point in the previous week. That's up from 9.8% in early May, according to census figures. Almost 20% of Americans with kids at home couldn't afford to give their children enough food, up from 17% in early June. Meanwhile, food banks report unprecedented surging levels of demand for their charitable services. And Brad Palumbo points out here, closing down businesses and schools may have limited the spread of COVID-19, But it's also clear the economic consequences of the lockdowns caused mass malnutrition and even pushed many American families to the brink of starvation. Globally, those COVID-19 lockdowns could push up to 100 million people into extreme poverty. I know it seems like, well, that's just a statistic. But attached to every one of those uh, those numbers that makes up that uh, that 100 million is a person, a living soul with actual feelings and hopes and dreams and needs, and they're being personally affected. Just because it isn't you doesn't make it any less real. Number four, he talks about the surge in domestic violence under COVID-19 lockdowns. Tragically, Brad Palumbo says, trapping people at home and cutting them off from outside support is a recipe for domestic violence. This has played out on a global level with reports of skyrocketing domestic violence amid tension and home confinement in places like India, Mexico City, the United Kingdom, and other nations around the world. Now, there's reason to believe the U.S. has experienced a similar trend. One study published in the journal Radiology found greatly increased levels of injuries consistent with domestic violence wounds at a Massachusetts hospital during the stay-at-home order. At least that state's stay-at-home order. 
This data confirms what we suspected, the study's co-author told U.S. News & World Report. Being confined to home for a period of time would increase the possibility for violence between intimate partners. By the way, a separate study also analyzed data from police precincts in several major U.S. cities, and it showed increases in domestic violence during the lockdown period, with increases ranging from 10% to 27%. So what are we supposed to make of this? Well, Brad Palumbo says, look, unintended consequences necessitate humble policymaking. I don't see much humility in many of these governors, mayors, and and other leaders at every level who insist you have to do this, you must do this. And it's not just in the U.S. either. You should, man. If you remember the clip I played for you a couple weeks ago out of uh, uh, Victoria in in Australia, Melbourne, where they were locking that city down, and the, the city police commissioner. We've had to break windows, and we've had to drag people out of their cars because they wouldn't show us their identification. And we've had to brutalize people because they won't follow this policy. There's nothing humble about that. That's just what might makes right. Some places are just a little more honest about it. But the same kind of thing is going on right here. Brad Palumbo says these dire unintended consequences of COVID-19 lockdowns are tragic, but he says they aren't so shocking. We've long known that sweeping government interventions always have ripple effects that extend far beyond their intended goals. Why? Because of what economic philosopher Friedrich Hayek called the knowledge problem. Hayek wrote, if we can agree that the economic problem of society is mainly one of rapid adaptation to changes in the particular circumstances of time and place, it would seem to follow that the ultimate decisions must be left to the people who are familiar with these circumstances who know directly of the relevant changes and of the resources immediately available to meet them, end quote. Simply, the knowledge problem means that central planning efforts are doomed to fail because only those closest to a problem know the ins and outs of it. For example, Brad Palumbo asks, can you imagine planning a birthday party for a person you've never met? You don't know what kind of cake they like. You don't know if they prefer pepperoni pizza or Hawaiian pizza. You don't even know who to invite. Now, what are the odds you, odds that you can plan a party that won't go horribly? That's a good example. And he says, this is the Herculean task that awaits government officials who try to dictate that the every behavior of millions of individuals. So when it comes to sweeping nationwide pandemic lockdowns, central planners will never be able to adequately assess all the deadly unintended consequences that correspond with their drastic actions. Now, he says this doesn't mean the government should do nothing at all in the public health arena, but that elected officials ought to be far more humble in the extent of their actions. The deadly unintended consequences of sweeping COVID-19 lockdowns remind us why. I have to say, I think uh, I think he's got the, the right idea here. Now, I want to back this up with something from uh, Veronica Rugi that talks about how crisis is almost, uh, crisis or not, it's almost never justified to have government be the, the primary intervention agent. She's opposed to government intervention, crisis or not. And she says, I'm often asked why I come across as someone who is opposed to government intervention, even in times of crisis. 
And she says, this question reflects a profound misunderstanding of my position. In fact, she says, in cases like this, I think about the lyrics from Russ Roberts and John Popola, Keynes versus Hayek, round two. It's a song in response, uh, about the response to the Great Recession, but it applies to other events. And the lyrics, starting with Keynes, says, So what would you do to help those unemployed? This is the question you seem to avoid. When we're in a mess, would you just have us wait, doing nothing until markets equilibrate? Hayek responds, I don't want to do nothing. There's plenty to do. The question I ponder is, who plans for whom? Do I plan for myself or leave it to you? Zing! That's uh, pretty much on the money. Now, we've got to take a break, so we're going to have to come back to this in a few moments. But we'll finish up with uh, Veronica DeRugi's article about uh, being opposed to government intervention, crisis or not. Please understand, it doesn't mean we sit on our hands and cry for someone to bring us cookies and milk. It just means we solve our problems as close to this problem as possible. Less can go wrong that way, believe it or not. This is The Brian Hyde Show. A trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership, and the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, welcome to the show. I'm glad you could join us today and revel in wrong think, because that's what we're all about. By the way, if you haven't visited my website yet, thebrianhydeshow.com, you have a prime opportunity to become a wrong thinker. And I hope it's an opportunity that you'll seize. Uh, you know, the, you can look, you can donate to the show if you want to. There, there, we actually have set up a Patreon account where if you want to become a regular sponsor of the show, you can do that. I mean, for as little as a buck a month, you could do five bucks a month, ten bucks, whatever works for you. But we'll give you access to exclusive content, including insider videos. That sounds kind of, that sounds vaguely, uh, I don't know, clandestine doesn't it? Also, uh, a couple of uh, ebooks that I think will add greatly to your understanding of what is at stake and what you and I can be doing about it. Again, go to thebrianhydeshow.com, click on Join the Wrong Thinkers, and then follow your conscience. I, I trust you'll, you'll make the best decision for yourself. So our show is brought to you in part today by firesteel.com, as well as the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. I find myself spending a great deal of time talking about lockdowns and pushback and essentially standing up for our rights in the face of a, a response to a pandemic that seems calculated to do more than just protect our health. Now, maybe I'm wrong in this. There's always that possibility. But it, it just seems that what we're being told to do has less to do with our uh, our well-being and more to do with someone's desire to to gain power. So in the course of today's show, we're going to be talking about some of the unintended consequences that have come from the COVID lockdowns. I have a great essay from Veronique Derugi, who is uh, just, I think she makes a brilliant case for why we should question that whole thing we've been trained to see since we were like five years old, that government is the answer, or at least government intervention is the answer to life's problems. She makes a very strong case that intervention, crisis or not, 
is almost never justified. And by the way, to back this up, there's a terrific essay from Ethan Yang from the American Institute for Economic Research that seems to show that the evidence is on the side of those who say it's, it, we should be skeptical about the, the official lockdown narrative. He takes a closer look at the states that stayed open. My home state of Utah was one of them. And between the, the evidence that he shows, the charts and the graphs, I mean, yeah, there's lies, damned lies and statistics, but it seems to make a fairly strong case that these states are certainly no worse off and in many ways are far better off than the states that took a very aggressive and, and severe lockdown approach. Coming up in the second hour of today's show, commentator Christian Watson will be joining me to share his thoughts on the political conventions and other current events. This is a guy who has a unique and very highly principled take on things. And I, I'm excited. If you haven't met him yet on my show, he's been a guest before, but I, I'm, I'm anxious for you to hear this conversation. And if you haven't subscribed to his Pensive Politics podcast, you should probably do it today. I'll have a link in the show notes you can follow to subscribe. You will not be disappointed. Oh, and one more thing, just because there there's a lot of darkness and negativity that is just swirling around us, it doesn't seem like it's gathering. I mean, you look at uh, the, the, the riot videos coming out of uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin now, and, and of course this is happening in a lot of other cities across the nation too. The uh, confrontation mobs, the, the struggle sessions they're imposing on people, just sitting there minding their own business, it's crazy, and it's ugly, and I have to admit, um, I, if I watch those videos, if I watch too many of them, it brings an ugliness up inside of me that I really don't want to indulge. So I'm going to share something with you uh, from John Pavlovitz that is, it's one of the most beautiful things I've read. It just popped up on my Facebook memories today. I forgot I had shared this maybe four or five years ago, and it's Things Someone Who Loves You should have told you. So amidst our, you know, unflinching look at reality the way it is, I'm also going to share with you something that I hope will give you some much-needed peace and perspective. In fact, we may do that in this hour just because I think you're going to need it. All right, let's dive in. Let's talk about four life-threatening unintended consequences of the lockdowns. This is from Brad Palumbo. This was published on the Foundation for Economic Education's website. And I, I love the, the tagline here, no matter how smart or well-intentioned central planners are, they can't possibly understand all the implications of the choices they're making. And I would add to that just this slight little tweak. They can't know enough about you and your priorities and your principles to make those kind of decisions for you. Now, the funny thing is there are people out there who have this attitude of, well, but I want somebody to do that. I want somebody to make the tough decisions. I'm not an expert. I want to defer. And what they want to do is they want to duck any tough decisions. They want to duck responsibility. And I get it. I've been there myself. There's times where it, it, it sucks taking responsibility because there's the possibility that you might fail. But the difference between a slave and a free person is the willingness to take that responsibility, including the possibility of failure, and to run with it. And it's not a it's not a shame if you make a mistake, if you if you have a few trial runs or false starts and you don't get it right the first time, that's okay. You know what's not okay? Handing over your autonomy and your self-determination to some power-seeking opportunist who is determined, oh, I know what's best and I can do it better than you can. 
So here's some evidence to back that up. Brad Palumbo says when policymakers across the country decided to lock down in response to the March outbreak of the novel coronavirus, they took a leap into the unknown. Not only did we know little about COVID-19 itself at that time, but he says we also knew almost nothing about how shutting down nearly all of society would affect people. Policymakers focused their models predicting how lockdowns could help limit the spread of COVID-19, an important factor to be sure. So too, many acknowledge the negative economic ramifications of lockdowns, but he says in the months since, we've seen many other dire consequences stem from the unprecedented shutdown of society. Future public health policy should take these four life-threatening unintended consequences of COVID-19 lockdowns into account. And these are you've heard you've heard me as well as my guests and others talk about this. Number one, massive spikes in suicide rates and mental health crises. He says even the most fortunate among us felt the emotional drain strain rather from months behind closed doors, being cut off from friends, family, many of the other things that give life meaning has proved too much for many of those who are already struggling. As Fee.org Managing Editor John Miltimore has detailed, the Centers for Disease Control found that one in four young people have had suicidal thoughts during the pandemic to date. For comparison, less than 6% of young people harbored similar thoughts between 2008-2009, according to older CDC data. And more than 40% of respondents said the crisis had prompted mental health or behavioral problems. Anecdotal evidence also suggests suicidality increased during lockdown. Given that young people without preconditions are almost at zero risk of death from COVID-19 and the well-documented deleterious effects of social isolation, Brad Palumbo says it's it's fair to largely attribute this disturbing trend in mental health to lockdowns. Secondly, there was an uptick in drug overdoses and substance abuse. Now, naturally, social isolation and despair are key triggers for substance abuse relapse. So it's no surprise to see the emotional and mental consequences of COVID-19 lockdowns have exacerbated an already severe drug crisis in the U.S. In fact, he says this has played out in his backyard in the Washington, D.C. metro area. The Washington Post reports in April, the most recent month for which statistics are available. The city of Washington, D.C. saw its largest number, largest monthly number of opioid overdoses in five years. This is part of a national trend of overdose increases that health experts say has accelerated in recent months. Meanwhile, Maryland saw more than double the opioid, opioid overdose fatalities in the first quarter of this year compared to the previous year. And in Virginia... State officials estimate they will record almost 1,700 such fatalities by year's end. That's the highest annual toll since at least 2007. Now, this is a countrywide trend. This isn't just big cities. NPR reports overdoses nationally have spiked by about 18%. By comparison, in 2018, more than 67,300 Americans died from drug overdoses. An 18% increase undoubtedly means thousands of additional tragic overdose deaths. So those are two of the life-threatening, unintended consequences that uh, Brad Palumbo addresses. We've got more that we will cover coming up here in just a few moments. The question is, are you willing to question this narrative? Are you willing to step aside and suspend disbelief even for a few moments? I really hope you are. We'll be back 
just the other side of these messages. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, once again, we are back. By the way, I want to thank my listeners who have have acted on my invitation to trot on over to firesteel.com to check out their website, check out their fire starters, and uh, and some of them have made the decision, yeah, this is definitely something that should be in my emergency preparedness kit. And I'm grateful for those who have, have taken the time to look at it. Look, you don't have to be a hardcore prepper, as in, you know, I have primitive survival skills, but if you took a look at their magnesium fire starters, their ferrule rods, their flint and steel sets that will, will help you spark a fire under almost any conditions... Rather than having to carry around thousands of matches or hundreds of lighters to last you, you can you can have a very portable tool that reliably gives you a spark when you most need it. That is in a disaster or survival situation where you absolutely positively need to get a fire started. Now, I find some other uses, too. I've told you I've got a propane stove that once in a while is a little bit scary. I don't like to get too close. I've singed my knuckle hair a few times, and I find I can throw a very decent spark and light this thing from several feet away without fear of singeing my precious knuckle hair. But get the story for yourself. Go to firesteel.com. Check out their website. If you make the decision to purchase one of their fine fire starting tools, put my name in when you go to check out. That's the coupon code, Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, and they will save you 10% on your total purchase. Plus, they'll know that uh, this advertising message reached your ears via this little program. So I'm sharing an article from Brad Palumbo. This was published on the Foundation for Economic Education's website for life-threatening unintended consequences of the lockdowns. We talked about the first two in the first segment, an uptick in drug overdoses and substance abuse, as well as massive spikes in suicide rates and mental health crises. Here's one that I don't think many of us want to think about because... Uh, You know, no matter how together you think you have it, this is one that uh, could affect you in ways that you don't want to think about. And that is economic devastation leads to hunger. I don't like to be hungry. In fact, uh, I get a little bit hangry when I'm hungry. Well, the U.S. Census Bureau recently surveyed Americans on how the COVID-19 crisis has affected their ability to feed their families. And the results are chilling. The number of Americans who say they can't afford enough food for themselves or their children is growing. As of late last month, about 12.1% of adults lived in households that didn't have enough to eat at some point in the previous week. That's up from 9.8% in early May, according to census figures. Almost 20% of Americans with kids at home couldn't afford to give their children enough food, up from 17% in early June. Meanwhile, food banks report unprecedented surging levels of demand for their charitable services. And Brad Palumbo points out here, closing down businesses and schools may have limited the spread of COVID-19, but it's also clear the economic consequences of the lockdowns caused mass malnutrition and even pushed many American families to the brink of starvation. Globally, those COVID-19 lockdowns could push up to 100 million people into extreme poverty. I know it seems like, well, that's just a statistic. 
but attached to every one of those uh, those numbers that makes up that uh, that 100 million is a person a living soul with actual feelings and hopes and dreams and needs and they're being personally affected just because it isn't you doesn't make it any less real number 4 he talks about the surge in domestic violence under COVID-19 lockdowns. Tragically, Brad Palumbo says trapping people at home and cutting them off from outside support is a recipe for domestic violence. And this has played out on a global level with reports of skyrocketing domestic violence amid tension and home confinement in places like India, Mexico City, the United Kingdom and other nations around the world. Now, there's reason to believe the U.S. has experienced a similar trend. One study published in the journal Radiology found greatly increased levels of injuries consistent with domestic violence wounds at a Massachusetts hospital during the stay-at-home order. At least that state's stay-at-home order. This data confirms what we suspected, the study's co-author told U.S. News & World Report. Being confined to home for a period of time would increase the possibility for violence between intimate partners. By the way, a separate study also analyzed data from police precincts in several major U.S. cities, and it showed increases in domestic violence during the lockdown period, with increases ranging from 10% to 27%. So what are we supposed to make of this? Well, Brad Palumbo says, look, unintended consequences necessitate humble policymaking. I don't see much humility in many of these governors, mayors, and and other leaders at every level who insist you have to do this, you must do this. And it's not just in the U.S. either. You should, man. If you remember the clip I played for you a couple weeks ago out of uh, uh, Victoria in in Australia, Melbourne, where they were locking that city down, and the, the city police commissioner. We've had to break windows, and we've had to drag people out of their cars because they wouldn't show us their identification. And We've had to brutalize people because they won't follow this policy. There's nothing humble about that. That's just what might makes right. Some places are just a little more honest about it, but the same kind of thing is going on right here. Brad Palumbo says these dire unintended consequences of COVID-19 lockdowns are tragic, but he says they aren't so shocking. We've long known that sweeping government interventions always have ripple effects that extend far beyond their intended goals. Why? Because of what economic philosopher Friedrich Hayek called the knowledge problem. Hayek wrote, if we can agree that the economic problem of society is mainly one of rapid adaptation to changes in the particular circumstances of time and place, it would seem to follow that the ultimate decisions must be left to the people who are familiar with these circumstances who know directly of the relevant changes and of the resources immediately available to meet them, end quote. Simply, the knowledge problem means that central planning efforts are doomed to fail because only those closest to a problem know the ins and outs of it. For example, Brad Palumbo asks, can you imagine planning a birthday party for a person you've never met? You don't know what kind of cake they like. You don't know if they prefer pepperoni pizza or Hawaiian pizza. You don't even know who to invite. Now, what are the odds you, odds that you can plan a party that won't go horribly? That's a good example. And he says, this is the Herculean task that awaits government officials who try to dictate that the every behavior of millions of individuals. So when it comes to sweeping nationwide pandemic lockdowns, central planners will never be able to adequately assess all the deadly unintended consequences that correspond with their drastic actions. Now, he says this doesn't mean the government should do nothing at all in the public health arena. 
but that elected officials ought to be far more humble in the extent of their actions. The deadly unintended consequences of sweeping COVID-19 lockdowns remind us why. I have to say, I think uh, I think he's got the, the right idea here. Now, I want to back this up with something from uh, Veronica Rugi that talks about how crisis is almost, crisis or not, it's almost never justified to have government be the, the primary intervention agent. She's opposed to government intervention, crisis or not. And she says, I'm often asked why I come across as someone who is opposed to government intervention, even in times of crisis. And she says, this question reflects a profound misunderstanding of my position. In fact, she says, in cases like this, I think about the lyrics from Russ Roberts and John Popola, Keynes versus Hayek, round two. It's a song in response uh, about the response to the Great Recession, but it applies to other events. And the lyrics, starting with Keynes, says, So what would you do to help those unemployed? This is the question you seem to avoid. When we're in a mess, would you just have us wait, doing nothing until markets equilibrate? Hayek responds, I don't want to do nothing. There's plenty to do. The question I ponder is, who plans for whom? Do I plan for myself or leave it to you? Zing! That's uh, pretty much on the money. Now, we've got to take a break, so we're going to have to come back to this in a few moments. But we'll finish up with uh, Veronica DeRugi's article about uh, being opposed to government intervention, crisis or not. Please understand, it doesn't mean we sit on our hands and cry for someone to bring us cookies and milk. It just means we solve our problems as close to this problem as possible. Less can go wrong that way, believe it or not. This is The Brian Hyde Show.